Welcome to the In Between Podcast, the liturgical year for ordinary Christians. My name's Darby, and I'm here with my friends Bethany. Hi. And Mike. Hello. So this morning we're talking together about the ordinary part of our title and what it means to be ordinary Christians observing the liturgical year. Um, So for the three of us, we were all raised in sort of different church contexts that were not very formal and were not very liturgical in the Sunday morning service patterns. Um, So we're coming to this as students and learners, and we're really interested in engaging the church calendar, not in a sort of lofty way, but in the very nitty gritty parts of our lives. Um, I'm raising kids. Mike is raising kids. Bethany is raising a sweet little dog. And (laughs) um, we want to know what it looks like to integrate this into ordinary life. So um, thanks for listening. And thanks for coming along with us as we think about it. Uh, We're talking about Advent today. And um, Advent is tricky for me. And I'm sure that it may be tricky for others too, because the holiday season is a wildly busy and b um, sort of emotionally fraught. Um, It's a time with a lot of family pain, family drama. These things can all really surface. And even if you're in a situation that doesn't involve a lot of that, there's still, um, it's just a time of real heightened energy. Mm. So you can't escape it. It's just around. It's in the air. It's in the air. (laughs) It's contagious. I think it's really important to get oriented in our souls. Mm. I don't know about you, but I always feel like I miss it. I always feel like I've rushed until the very end and I had expectations for how I wanted it to feel and be and then it's over and then Mm. it's January and it's that's not good like that's a sad time of year (laughs) for me so um well that's been one of the best things about learning how to practice the church calendar right and even in Advent especially in Advent when it can be so crazy and every year is different depending on the stage of your life and the stage of your kids' lives and you know family dynamics and things like that but you can come back to it every year. Yes. And and learn and grow and change. And isn't that a lot like our walk with Christ? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also really wonderful to have a four-week period mm. to um, go through the ups and downs. It's Everything is not hanging on one day. It's mm. not like you have one day to get it right. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very slow, humane, mm. gentle way to prepare. Um, And that's what I absolutely love about observing Advent. So, Mike, I'm just curious, for those of us who need some information on what are the themes of Advent, what's the time frame of Advent, um, what does Advent look like? Can you tell us a little about it? Yeah, so essentially, Advent is the four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. And its emphasis is the the readiness for the coming of Christ at the end of history, his second coming, but also we look back at his first coming in Bethlehem. And so um, in that, the church historically has looked at um, different themes. Um, and those traditional themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. So One each week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's four, four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and each... Each Sunday, the beginning of the week, you're observing one of those themes. Hope, peace, joy, love. And um, like I said, the focus is on the coming of Christ. Advent means anticipation. Um, So there's this underlying hum, this theme of longing and anticipation as we wait for Christ's second coming and look back at his first coming. 
I'm really interested in the the idea of longing in the Christmas season because mm-hmm. that's kind of it's part of our experience. Um, yeah. Even though we're supposed to be happy, cheerful, whatever, a lot of us experience longing in different ways. Yeah. So I love the fact that the Christian calendar provides a category for longing, um, for sorrow, for lament, even mm-hmm. in a season when that's not the predominant experience. Um, but it's kind of the underlying experience mm. for a lot of us. Yeah, I mean, culture would tell us, "No, you're supposed to be happy at Christmas time," and you know that that this the the month of December is like happy, joy. Um, but actually, the story of Christ actually brings us into a different experience of hope and joy and love and peace. Um, it teaches us to long for those things and actually to put our hope in something else rather than whatever the culture is trying to the only cultural artifact i can think of that does that is the charlie brown christmas yeah <laughs> and it's surprising <laughs> that so they true. still put it in its entirety <laughs> on public television or national television i know it's so yeah. great yeah well that kind of brings us to like, what, what's the difference between advent and christmas so christmas time we would just say like anytime after thanksgiving is christmas time yeah like let's get to it mm-hmm. you know the radio stations flip over right away um the stores. I mean, I was walking through Walgreens the other day, and Walgreens has it's, already yeah, it's there. closed out Halloween candy. You know, we're obviously recording this way before this actually publishing, but like Christmas candy's already out at the yeah. end of October. Like there really isn't any Thanksgiving. Hobby Lobby has Christmas stuff up all year, all year round. Yeah, well, that's why Hobby Lobby's great. But the culture uh, tells us that Christmas time is that all that time leading up to December twenty fifth, but rather Advent invites us to really dive into the anticipation of the season to to jump into the longing um, of awaiting the hope, awaiting the peace, awaiting the joy, awaiting the love that is found in Christ. And we we do that through the, the Bible's narrative of Mary and Joseph, Luke 2, you know, Luke 1 and 2, our favorite Christmas time passages, but also through the passages of the Old Testament where the where God's people were really waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. Right. So one struggle that I have with Advent is that um, I run late in general in my life. And um, Advent, like I said, gives me a nice big window so that if I'm running late on anything, I have time to catch up. <laughs> um, in my family, the way we do our Advent practice is... The four weeks of Advent, on those Sundays, we sit down in the evening and uh, we have a lot of like Christmas objects that I've chosen to put out. Um, My kids right now are nine and 11, so they're sort of into it. They're not super into it, but but my trick is to get a tin of those butter cookies from Trader Joe's and bribe Yum. them with a cookie. And I, like I said, I'm late, so I have always, like they've always sold out of the advent calendars <laughs> by the time I get to it. So I need something else that's sort of seasonal, but... Um, butter cookies are great. Yeah. All year round. Yep. So we sit down, we read through uh, a Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, we light our advent candle, we um, put on our music, and I'm really thinking a lot about creating a sensory mm. experience, creating memories that are going to last for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
love what James K.A. Smith says about kinetic learning, mm. how we learn through our senses, too. So we have categories of knowledge in our heads. And then we have just the physical experiences that we have, the smells and the five senses that mm. um, come together. And I, I want them to associate scripture with the taste of something sweet in their mouth mm. and with a beautiful smell and with um, beautiful lights. And mm. uh, Advent provides kind of a special time to do that. So... If my kids were here, they would probably say sometimes we come to it with a bad in a bad mood and sometimes mm. we don't start on time and sometimes we forget. <laughs> um, so that's part of ordinary life. And yeah. that's OK. <laughs> there's there's another week. We can try it. Right. <laughs> if we get off the rails. Yeah. Um, so that's something like if you are the kind of person who loves to make things. Pinterest has millions of ideas and there are tons of things that you can buy, um, reading guides that you can buy and that kind of thing. My favorite is the Advent and Christmas book created by my church, Quorum Deo. Uh, it's on, Bethany, will you provide where people can find it? Yes, you can find it at gospelresourcenetwork.com. You can purchase it there. I believe it is $7. The thing that's great about that one that's better than some others that I've looked at is that um, it's divided into little sections. So there's a gospel reading, there's an Old Testament reading, and then there are prayers. And some of them are bigger, longer pieces, and some are short. And so whatever kid you have, at whatever reading level they are, there's a little something that everybody can participate in. Mm -hmm. And my kids took it really seriously. Like they were excited to do the read aloud part of it. So anyway, it worked out really well for us, and I would commend it to others, but there are many good options. Darby, you mentioned doing the doing cookies and ad the advent wreath with your sons um explain that to us like what is an advent wreath and what's how do you, you know what's what's the significance of it how do you how do you use that in your family devotions so an advent wreath is just a wreath around a piece of wood or it might be um something with greenery on it and it typically has four candles positioned around um three of them are typically purple and one is typically pink and in the middle, you have a white candle that's called the Christ candle. So you, um, the first week of Advent, which is the ho week called hope, you would light the hope candle and you do your reflections or your reading and whatever. And then the second week, you light the hope candle and then you would light the peace candle because that's the theme of the second week and so on. Um, so then you've got, you've got your hope, peace, joy, and love. The pink candle is the last one, the love candle. And I think you can also light the Christ candle in the middle as you go, or you can wait and light it on Christmas. What do you guys do? Um, I've done both. Yeah. I've, I've kept the Christ candle lit um, because of this, the idea of, well, you know, Christ in our experience is here. Right. The Christ candle is lit. Mm -hmm. And I actually have used that candle to help light the other candles mm -hmm. just to signify that he's the source of this hope, joy, peace. Um, yeah, excellent. But there is a there is a unique thing about keeping that candle dark mm -hmm. uh, in in the longing and anticipation, and so having that be the the candle you light on Christmas Day um, is a fun thing too. Mike, will you talk through what are the traditional colors of Advent? I know we talked about the candles being purple and pink, yep. um, but that's not the only colors. Um, those are not the only colors that um, come into play in Advent. Right. So each season of the church calendar has 
um, traditional colors tied to it, and we'll highlight those as we go through each season. But for Advent, um, people typically decorate with blue or purple. You know, some have the the, the purple candles in their Advent wreath, um, and, and pink or rose. And so the the both purple and blue can be used. Um, purple signifies two things. It's a color um, associated with repentance and fasting. So it just kind of goes back to just taking account of your own heart and, and repenting of those sins and highlighting the, the preparation that's often associated with the Advent season. And purple is also the color of royalty. And so it reminds us of Jesus coming as king. You know, we think of the wise men coming and giving him gifts that were meant for a king. Um, the color purple reminds us of uh, Jesus coming as king. And um, the pink and the rose colors are typically... Um, used to just highlight the theme of rejoicing and, and joy. And so um, depending on your church tradition and or how you decide to do it, um, week three is the joy week. And so, man, just go all out with the pink and rose colors. Uh, and so those are so those are some of the colors. We actually, we have an Advent wreath in our house too, but um, Jenny just lets the kids paint and we, we try to um, cover the house and those four different colors throughout the... What does she have the, them paint? Um, she'll take pieces of canvas, paper... Um, Banners and things like that? Yeah, just, yeah. There's like uh, uh, construction paper uh, garland all <laughs> over the house when I arrive at home That's sometimes. Awesome. Yeah, one of the things we did uh, a couple years ago with younger kids who couldn't read was I would read the passages and I'd have them take crayons and <laughs> color what you know, draw what they were imagining. In their, in <laughs> That's their heads. a great idea. They had, they had great pictures of like kings and kingdoms <laughs> and, um, you know, a baby being born and all the, like they just, they just colored it out and we used it to, de- it to decorate with. We put it in our garland nice. over the doorway and it was just really fun to see them experience, um, to see how they were experiencing those scriptures read out loud. I also happen to know, Mike, just, in reference to your family, that you guys have a very high commitment to Christmas lights at your house. Yeah, so I want to talk about this too. Like, when's the appropriate time to <laughs> decorate? Because depending on how you've been raised and who you are personally, like it it, it varies. So, um, yeah, we before it gets really bad weather wise, because we're in we're in Nebraska and it's fickle. The weather is fickle around here. Uh, I try to I try to get the house the exterior lights up. And typically, but not tur- you don't turn them on. No, no, no. I mean, okay. I turn them on to test them and make sure they work. Yeah. But I don't, I don't turn them on until the first Sunday okay. of Advent. Okay, I just want to be real clear. I'm a purist. <laughs> maybe, maybe not as pure as others, but um, you can see them maybe two or three blocks away when you're driving up oh, to yeah. our house through like the dead trees, and you go, oh, there's the Cresnick's house. So <laughs> the star. So yeah, yes, star. And we have a giant star in our house. I mean, like it's not just that you're totally flamboyant and overboard. It's there's a reason you have a theoretical well, reason. Yeah. So because we're Christians, in the darkest time of the year, uh, our I feel like our house should be the brightest. Mm, that's like, good. Like God has put us in this world to be the lights to the world little lighthouses, if you will. And so you're going to go for the literal interpretation. (laughs) uh, I want to be the brightest house on the block. Not, you know, not Clark Griswold annoying. Um, I was just waiting. (laughs) I was just waiting for the Clark Griswold. (laughs) Not taking out any power grids, but uh, (laughs) yeah, when people ask like, Hey, why, why is your house decorated so bright? Well, here's why. 
I have a hope that burns bright even when things are dark. And and that, that hope is found in Christ. And so um, we think about the same with our house. It's a little bit more uh, dialed back in our house. Um, I like I like moody, um, well thought out lighting in our house. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we yeah we love decorating. We love lights. When when do you guys decorate? I decorate the week before Thanksgiving. Okay. Because I love Christmas or Advent time and so i want to enjoy it for as long as possible also i'm just if i'm gonna do a bunch of work to make my house look cozy and yeah festive and warm and inviting i want to enjoy it for the most the, the longest amount of time possible so i'm a week before thanksgiving person okay. i thank my mom for that <laughs> we always decorate the the day after thanksgiving but in the last year or two it's i've had this dawning awareness that other christian traditions view this period differently with mm-hmm. respect to decorations. And Mike, you and I have been talking a little bit about this. Yeah. That, um, and particularly I'm aware of Methodist tradition and probably mm. there are others that refrain from decorating and refrain from Christmas music until Christmas Day. That's crazy. That seems so sad. <laughs> but but I get it. If you're going yeah. for anticipation and yeah. longing, like that's the way to do it. Right, exactly. Maybe I'll do an experiment this year and I will refrain. I don't know if I can even <laughs> say it. <laughs> I'll refrain from decorating until, no, I don't think I could do that. I, mean, I gotta it, have the Christmas tree smell in my house the whole month of December. So this is an interesting question. Like when do you um, when do you commit so much to an idea right. that you're willing to sacrifice some of the bigger cultural... <laughs> Yeah. Or some of the pleasures of yeah. of observing Christmas as sort of mainstream culture observes it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure that I'm ready. It feels a little. I'm I'm like a little desperate for the joy of December. <laughs> so right. I'm not quite sure if I would be up for that or not. But I get it. Like I get the theory behind it. I really understand that. I mean, I'm at, so we're going to talk about it in the next episode about Christmas time being a 12 day celebration, 12 day feast. But I wonder if if you truly did wait the whole month, the whole 25 days, and you had 12 days to just go all out, like how much exciting in, in, in how, how exciting and how much full of joy that time would be. It would be interesting to try. But like you guys are saying, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would make a difference to be in a church context where everybody was doing it the right. same way. Yeah. Yeah. Got some moral support. Yeah, got, some solidarity. Some friends <laughs> right. Your back. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for those of us who are lacking in that support, maybe we'll just keep it as something to try next year. And yeah, this is like the beauty of what you know the things that we're talking about is that you can you are free to to practice the liturgical year in in whatever best suits you, your family, the context that you're in, like take all those things in consideration that this is not a law that you have to live by. But Absolutely. These and are, these are just guidelines to how to pursue Christ and how to pursue becoming more like him. The more you study these ideas and the, the ways that different Christian strains practice them, the more you see there's a lot of latitude and a lot of freedom. So the liturgical calendar is not in the Bible. Right. It isn't going to save anyone's soul. It's just a way to learn about mapping the life of Jesus onto our life so we can just land on Christian liberty, I think. Yeah. Unless Bethany really wants to commit and try it. <laughs> Ruby would be so sad. If anybody listening wants to commit to that, we'd, we'd love to 
help you start a blog or something and just, <laughs> or, blog, just we'll yeah. read your blog. Your yeah. we'll read your blog. <laughs> or if anybody out there does practice it this right? way, we'd be yeah. interested yeah. to know if you enjoy it, if you've done like, if you've practiced both like decorating or um, yeah, decorating for Advent before or mm-hmm. around Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. or if you wait until the day before, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so Mike, talk a little bit about the devotional aims of the season. Yeah, so one of the one of the resources I go to is Robert Weber's book, Ancient Future Time. So good. Um, it's a great just intro for anybody who hasn't grown up in a church that has a formal liturgy, formally looks over the church calendar. They he he does a really good job at bringing people in. Um, who maybe grew up on the outside of that tradition. Um, he, he brings spiritual challenges to each part of the church calendar. So I'm just going to rely on this resource the whole the whole life of this podcast, pretty much. Um, but he says, the, the spiritual challenge, and I like how he states that, the spiritual challenge of Advent is to repent and be ready for the second coming of Christ. Um, this goes back to the, the title, like we, we live life in between the two comings of Christ. So how do we live in that now? Well, Advent actually gives us four weeks where we can look at our souls, look at the the state of our walk with Christ and repent of sin. Um, re- repent of the small things, repent of the big things, uh, repent of the tendencies of your heart and be ready for Christ to come. He could come right now. He could come a week from now. We don't know, but we have to be ready. He calls us to do that. And this also allows for an eager longing for the coming of the Messiah to be birthed in your heart. And I love the language, the the, the image that he uses there. We we get an, an idea of Mary uh, having Christ in her, growing in her womb. Man, we can have that longing for the coming of the Messiah to be growing and to be birthed in us as well. And so this is a, a four-week season um, where we can really just dive into that longing and, you know, talk about, man, where do I, what do I hope for? What do I long for? Are those things good? Is it, are there, are those things of Christ? Am I really relying on Christ in those things? Uh, where's my love? Where's my peace? Where do I find my peace? And uh, repent of those things and just turn your heart, ask the Lord to turn your heart back towards him and to have really deep longings and desires for Christ. That is so good. And I just want to thank everybody for listening and um, walking through this process with us as we think about these ideas. And um, we just invite you to come along. In a few weeks, we'll release an episode about Christmas Tide, not just Christmas Day, but Christmas Tide, which is the 12 day period following December 25th when we celebrate the incarnation. So the Advent is the period of waiting, Christmas Tide is the period of celebration. So we look forward to discussing that with you. We look forward to celebrating the incarnation with you. Um, If you would like to grab that episode, you can subscribe, spread the word to others who you think might like this podcast. And thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the In Between Podcast, the liturgical year for ordinary Christians. Happy Advent.